like to start with a verse from 1 Corinthians 15.10. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And Paul goes on to say, And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God was with me. And um, this was something Paul wrote many years ago, and it's same for the, us believers here today. Every child of God, we are who we are, and it's not because of something we have accomplished, but by the grace of God. And this, I marvel this morning, uh, listen to the teach, listen to, in our Sunday school class, as how what I'm going to share this morning from 1 John 5 ties in so well. Um, we are who we are by the grace of God. Verse 8 in our lesson, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. We are who we are because of who is within. We are who we are because of what Christ has done for us. He made a change in the life I was living. He is everything to me, and I trust to you as well. I am his, and he is mine, and Jesus Christ is our Lord. This morning, take a look, take a look at, at this drill. As you can see, nothing special. A red a cordless drill with a, a one-inch paddle bit. And if you look here, everyone can see there's a very important element missing from this drill. Right, Jared? What's missing? The battery is missing. And this tool is basically, I say basically, useless without the battery. And when the battery is properly installed, you see a light comes on, and you can see what you're about to do, and this tool is ready to go to work. Without the battery, there is very little use for the tool. So take that and go back to the thought, we are who we are. Why? Because Christ abides within. Uh, the title of the message this morning is Christ, the power source. No, I'm not going to take Christ to as low as a, a, a battery, but in comparison. Christ, Jesus Christ, our power source. Did you ever stop and think where you would be without Jesus Christ? So just do that for a second. Where would you be, where would I be, without Jesus Christ? A few seconds ago I said, he made a change in the life I was living. Did he make a change in your life? Would life be worth living in the absence of Jesus? And don't take me wrong, I'm not saying that those who do not believe in Jesus Christ are, are rendered useless like a toll without a battery. But this is what I wanted to remember this morning. Fulfillment for life is found in Jesus Christ. You can turn to 1 John 5 if you wish. I plan to look at the first 12 verses this morning. But first of all, the first five verses are referring to those who believe. The first five verses, he's writing about those, the believers. And just notice the difference that Jesus makes in our lives. 
Again, he is like the battery to the drill, but he is so much more. He powers our lives, as we're going to read here just shortly, so we can live with purpose, in love, in obedience, and if that's not enough, in victory. It's all because of Christ. You take the drill, and with, with a charged battery, and this one just happens to be, this drill can quickly drill through a piece of wood. We're not going to try it, but it will. And the believer who knows God and keeps his commandments will have the power within to be an overcomer and live in victory. Do we believe that this morning? You go like this and you'll be hard. I could, no one would want the challenge of coming up front here and drilling a hole. But all you have to do is just plug it in or put this in and you're set to go. Myself, without Christ, what would life be like? But when we put Christ within, the difference is made. And I also like to say the light comes on. So 1 John 5, I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. Whosoever believes that Jesus Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat him also loveth him also as begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is a victory overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Excuse me. John gives us a test to see if we have the, maybe call them the birthmarks of a believer. So five tests. Number one, the faith test. And the question is, who do you believe? Taken from verse one. Is our doctrine in line with God's word? Who do you believe? Test number two is the life test. How do we live? Verses two and three. Are we keeping God's commandments? Test number three is the love test. Do we love our brothers and sisters? And for that, you need to go back to the last verse in chapter four, verse 21. And this commandment have we from him that he who loveth God loveth God, love his brother also. Do we pass the love test? Number four, the growth test. Are we overcoming more and more as we walk with the Lord? Are we, first of all, growing in our, lo- in our love for the Lord? And are we overcoming more and more? Verses 4 and 5. Do we have the desire within to grow as we heard last Sunday? And the fifth test is a sin test. Are we, as we go through life, are we avoiding sin? Or do we just continue to sin and consider it acceptable? And we can gain some, glean some of that from verses 5 as well as verse 10. Do we pass the test? Do we have the birthmarks of a true believer? Everyone who knows you knows if you had an encounter with Jesus or if that meeting is still to come. I repeat, everyone who knows you knows if you had an encounter with Jesus or if that meeting is still to come. As the drill needs the battery to function, fulfillment, function and fulfillment in the life of the believer are found in Jesus Christ.
I repeat, you take the drill, the battery away, and the drill is basically worthless. You take us out of, take Christ out of, the, out of our lives, and no, I'm not going to go as far as saying worthless, but I will say we have little reason to press forward. I have three points for the message this morning. Number one, characterized by love. Number two, an overcoming spirit. And number three, who is Jesus Christ? Point number one. And characterized by love. I take that from the first three verses here. And John 3, uh, 16 fits in so well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And our chapter 5 starts with the word whosoever. And the word whosoever is such a kind word. The word whosoever means um, same thing as whoever or anyone who. So if you look at that, no one is excluded. Every person who believes in Jesus Christ is included in John 3.16 as well as in this first verse here. It's just such a, a, a precious fact. But this verse combines two important tests that prove if someone is truly a child of or born of God. Number one, do they believe in Jesus Christ? And number two, do they have love for, for God and for one another? And it starts there, first of all, the very important one. And again, we look at that in our Sunday school lesson. Do we believe in Jesus Christ? And that's where it starts. Believing in Jesus Christ is like placing the power source of love within. God is love. Jesus is love. So believing in him is like placing that power source of love within. And that by, by doing that, we will have love for God as well as for others. Because we have Jesus Christ, the person of love living within. So all who believe in Jesus Christ, in the person of Jesus Christ, will be characterized by love. We will have a love for God, for his children, referring to the brotherhood, the body of believers. And this happens when we have a spiritual birth that comes from God. A lot of things change when we give our heart to God, when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I go back. He made a change in the life I was living. Does God tell us that we have to prove that we love him? No. We don't have to prove because he knows everything. God knows the very thoughts that you are thinking right now. Joseph, what are you thinking? No, don't you have to tell us. God knows exactly what you are thinking. So we don't have to sit here and say, well, how can we prove to God that we love him? But as a child of God, we will show evidence of our love to God. How? By our obedience to him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love him and keep or obey his commandments. Earlier I asked, are we, are we obedience to God? Are we keeping his commandments? We show evidence. You know, God, I love you and I'm going to keep your commandments. I said we're characterized by love, so main, love is a main ingredient of our being. And because of Christ, the power source of love abiding within, we are driven, if I will, to please him and do so by keeping the law. Devotional this morning, Daryl. We are, uh, con the love of God constraineth us. Isn't that beautiful? What does constrain mean? When you constrain an animal, basically you put them in a pen or put a rope around their neck and take them where they want to go, we're driven. The love of God drives us just to obey him. 
God's law is a product of his nature and expresses his will for his children. So we're moving here. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. God's law is a product of his nature and expresses his will for his children. So God did not give us the law and his commands as an attempt to make life hard for us. He didn't say, okay, here we go. We're going to make this difficult. No, but rather he gave us his law to reveal his holy nature to us, to draw us to him along with showing his will for our lives. And he takes it a step further in verse 3. And uh, we, John introduces the kind of attitude that we're going to have to God's commands. When we, we obey because we love God. And we obey with a desire to please him. And we obey because we want to obey, not because we have to. If you are a parent and have children... You know where we're talking about there. But unbelievers find God's commands burdensome. Why? Because they lack what every believer has. And what is that? That's the presence of the Holy Spirit. Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do that? Or more importantly, remember they say, uh, why do you live the way you live? Well, yes, it's because of who is within us is why we do what we do. It is through the work of the Holy Spirit where the believer finds a source of peace to continue a life of obedience. So I hope this morning we're not here obeying God and like, well, I guess I have to today again. No, we do because we love God. <clears throat> to keep his commandments involves watching over, uh, carefully paying attention to, and never forgetting. So God gives us his law, and we read that, we study that, we meditate upon that, and we obey that. And I had to think in my study, is it safe to say that lack of obedience to God is a result of lack of love for him. I think it is. If we would say, well, you know, just in our, in our lives, well, you know, uh, I like that color truck. I really don't like, love it. I like, it's okay. Is that how we respond to God? Yeah, I'll obey him today just because. No, we, 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 have, we love, obey him because we love him. A, a battery, this battery, if you use it a long period of time, it eventually will need to be recharged. It'll lose its power. That's not so, and that's not the case with Jesus Christ. That's why we ask sometimes, if you feel like you're far away from God, we ask the question, who moved? God's love never gets low. His love is always there, but what about us? Spending time uh, daily in the Word of God will keep the Christian fully charged and joyfully obedient. Because when you read God's will and His law, oh, this is how He wants me to live. And then we obey that, and again, not the way it talks about in verse 3, but we are joyfully obedient. So as the drill uh, needs the battery to function, the power source for a fulfilled life is found in Jesus Christ. And yes, there's people around the world today scrambling to find fulfillment in life. But brothers and sisters, this morning, fulfillment in life is found in Jesus Christ. That moves us on to the second one, an overcoming spirit, verses 4 and 5. All who are born of God, or all the children of God, who are connected to the power source of Jesus Christ, are overcomers. So this morning, if you love the Lord, you are an overcomer. What is an overcomer? Webster, a person who overcomes something. Quite obvious. 
He goes on to say, one who succeeds in dealing with or gaining control of some problem or difficulty. So we are overcomers. Those who know Christ have an overcoming spirit. So earlier I said the power source of love is within, but we have more than that, an overcoming spirit. We actually have an actual victory. And despite the temptations and the troubles of this world, we can be overcomers. So what are we fighting against? Well, the devil. He would like to snare or to trap all the believers into one of his deceitful pits and claim us as his own. But that's not what John was inspired to write about this morning. He's saying victory is promised to all who place their trust in Jesus Christ. It's it's such a beautiful picture. Revelation 21.7 He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. This is a verse we looked at on Wednesday evening. He that overcometh, what is the blessings of of being obedient and overcoming? Going to inherit in all things. Doesn't stop there. Uh, God will be our God and we will be his son. So back up, Satan wraps his victims in chains, but the mission of Jesus Christ was to set at liberty all who call upon his name. Luke 4, 18 and 19, Jesus speaking, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Set me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliver to the captives, recover the sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Did you, can you sense or feel the power in that verse? The power source of Jesus Christ. There is nothing that can stop nor even hinder the power of the Lord. And God's there saying, you believe in my son, and you will have the power to be an overcomer. And we, as we just saw here, nothing... His power is unstoppable. And all we have to do is accept him, believe in him, and that power source can be within. That power source provided for all who believe. We are destined to overcome the world. What does that mean? Whosoever is born of God, a child of God, overcometh the world. So it's, it's not referring to the created world, the mountains and the oceans. That's not where we're headed. Nor is it a reference to the people of our society. But the world which we are to conquer is a human-centered way of life that ignores God, that operates by selfish principles and lives by ungodly standards. That's what we are going to overcome. We're not going to live in that kind of deception, but we're going to live above that. That's the areas where we will live in victory. Areas of darkness that we will avoid. And to conquer the world uh, is to keep believing day by day in the power of Jesus Christ. That's like continuing to be plugged into the charger. He continues to keep us uh, fully charged. Conquering uh, the world means winning the battle over lure, over the lure and temptation that the world is offering. And they're, they're out there. We won't even list, list them. We know what they are. But conquering means we're going to live in victory over that right there. Our goal is to escape the grip of sinful habits and desires. We're going to live above that. And so can we see the connection with which the verse that we started with, I am who I am because of Christ. We're not mainstream society. No, we're different. We're peculiar people because of Jesus Christ. But what we're looking at this morning... And don't get, be discouraged. What we're looking at is easily attainable. What we're talking about, this victory and this overcoming, and it is attainable, but only through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Don't go looking anywhere else. It's available through Jesus Christ. This drill would be of no value without the battery. And I have no intention to take God's created humans that low because I believe that where life is, there is hope. But function and fulfillment for the life of the believer is found in Jesus Christ. We need him and Jesus Christ is all that we need. And that brings us to the third point, where, who is Jesus Christ? As we, and we'll read verses 6 through 12. 1 John 5, 6 through 12. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For these are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath a witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him, made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave him. And this is the record, that God hath given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Who is Jesus Christ? As we see in the end of verse 5, he is the Son of God. And in the next number of verses, John presents reliable witnesses to prove that Jesus is the Son of God. He starts out by saying, by describing Christ as one who came by water and blood. Um, the tense verb of the word came indicates that the water and blood refer to events in the life of Jesus which reveal him to be the Son of God. So what is he talking about by water? We've got to go back when John was baptized, when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River, what happened? The Father spoke from heaven. Two verses. And Jesus, when he was baptized, from Matthew here, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, and here we have it, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Evidence. Who is Jesus Christ? The Son of God. Proof directly from, from God himself that Jesus is his Son. He came by water. First witness, the second, and by blood, referring to the death of Jesus Christ there on the cross of Calvary. John 12, 27 to 30. My soul, now my soul is troubled, Jesus here, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then there came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it, said it thundered. Others said an angel spoke to him. Jesus said, answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Both times we hear a voice from heaven, the Father affirming that Jesus Christ is his one and only Son. And you have to kind of look at some background here. John was trying to get a point across. The, the false teachers of the day recognized Jesus as this, the natural son of Mary and Joseph. They saw him as a great man, 
They heard him as an excellent teacher and a wonderful example. And that's where it stopped. But the truth is that Jesus Christ is God come in human flesh. Some taught that Jesus was born as a man and died a mere man. Just taking the actual fact of who he is and pushing it down and not recognizing Jesus as the Son of God. But what happened is they could not wrap their mind around the idea of a divine Christ suffering in pain and agony on a cross. They said that can't be right. Yet to John and the apostles of his day, and to you and I this morning, the suffering and death of Jesus Christ on the cross is the very heart of the gospel message. Because he died, he shed his blood for you and for me, so that we could have eternal life, which he talks about here in a few verses. And these people just couldn't, couldn't grasp what was happening. So John's making a clear statement that Jesus Christ is the divine Christ who accomplished, accomplished his mission, both by baptism and by his death on the cross. And then in verse 6, we see uh, the witness, the Spirit bearing witness, referring to the Holy Spirit's work in helping believers, you and I, to understand the truth in God's word. The Holy Spirit reveals this stuff to us. Then in the following verses, it's to show that our faith in Jesus Christ is well-grounded and true. Our faith in Christ is not based upon falsehoods. And then John provides a few more witnesses to prove, indeed, that Jesus is the Son of God. Verse 7, we see the three witnesses, uh, the Father and the Word and the Holy Ghost. Here we see the Trinity, and all three agree as one. The, if you look at it, the entire Trinity bear witness of the divine character of the person and work of Jesus Christ. And the all three, the significance here, they agree as one. <clears throat> Many believe that Jesus was not, was just mere man, not the divine Christ, but Jesus Christ became God and man who became the mediator between God and human beings. And we get that from 1 Timothy 2.5. There's one God, one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. Church this morning, do we recognize Jesus for who he is? And no, not a battery, but so much more. He is everything and everything to us. Then we have some practical thoughts in verse 9. If we receive witness from man or information from others, which we all do. After church here, you'll probably talk and exchange some information, and if somebody says something to you, most likely you'll believe it. But if we do that, shouldn't we even be much quicker to accept truth that comes from God when he says, this is my son? And it seems typical for a typical human reaction to accept man, man's word regarding material matters. But then we tend to be doubt God's word on eternal things. And we could ask the question, why is that? Why is that sometimes the case? Is it because what man says has already happened or will happen sometime in the very new future? But what God promised seemed to be out of sight or out of our current reach. And I think if we, if we think about who we believe, man versus God... I think we're all aware that man or has, has led many a person astray, but God has never provided false information. So I encourage us all just to take the word of God and what God says and to believe it full fold. In Titus 1, 2, uh, I quote, in, in hope of eternal life, which God, 
that cannot lie, promised before the world began. So we're getting into the point here of eternal life. Promised before the world began. Promised by who? God promised that. There we have solid truth. I ask the question, who are we listening to? And we need to be so careful. Do we believe what God has said about his son? So let's consider our inward witness, which we have in verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath a witness in himself. Those who believe the gospel message. There's a deep inner feeling of peace which comes through believing in Jesus Christ. And we know in our hearts that we're believing uh, the absolute truth. I don't think anyone here this morning doubts who Jesus is, and we believe that we believe him, the absolute truth. In the end of verse 10, we see those who do not believe in Jesus Christ do not believe in God. Because why? Because the record that God spoke about his son, which we saw in the previous verses. What is the record? God has given us eternal life. Eternal life is available to who? All who believe in who? His Son, Jesus Christ. He says, for eternal life is provided through the Son of God. And God is telling us, brothers and sisters, eternal life is available through Jesus Christ. We need to believe. So every human has the opportunity to either believe what God said about his Son or to deny what he said. This morning, do we believe what God, that God cannot lie? I read a verse there in Titus a little bit earlier. God said his son is Jesus Christ, and that is the truth. So he, he gives us his son. He says eternal life is available through his son, but God doesn't force anyone to believe in his son. So picture God getting a gift, and he, he presents it there to you. It is for whosoever will believe. And today, as we're living in today, he is patiently waiting for all to accept his special gift. Who is Jesus to you? Second Peter 3.9, one of my favorite verses. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. You and I, not willing that any should perish. Such a beautiful verse. So there is the Lord. Lord Father God presented his gift to Jesus Christ through whom is available, through whom is eternal life. And he presents it to all. And now he's patiently waiting for all to accept. Because he said he has no will, has no desire that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I look at that and I say, can we feel the heart of compassion? The heart of, his heart of compassion. Think about eternal life for a little bit. The, the consequences of your decision about Jesus Christ are far-reaching. What you decide about Christ, the consequences are far-reaching. Eternal destinies are at stake here. Your eternal destiny, where you will spend eternity, is what we are looking at. Well, I'll, I'll just put it in neutral, just a second. There are many things in life that, that we can take a neutral position on. For example like uh, your opinion on the mask. And please, I'm not asking for your opinion because that's wide. Or getting the vaccine. There again, we can take a neutral stance on that because that's a, a subject of debate currently. But you cannot take a neutral decision about Jesus Christ. We can lead today, head down the road, do 35 and shift our car to neutral, and we'll still keep moving. There's just some things we can do in that, that, that neutral position of on, but not on Jesus Christ. 
you will either accept him or you will reject him. Your car has drive, neutral, and park, and reverse, and whatever. And there are some things you can say, I'm just going to plead the fifth uh, on this and just not have any comments. But you cannot do that with Jesus Christ. You will either accept him or you will reject him. So by, by human standards, people may be looked upon as, as good citizens, good neighbors, and good parents. But by the standard of the gospel, those who have no saving union with Jesus Christ do not have eternal life. For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth, Jesus said in Matthew 14, 6, No man comes unto the Father but by me. And here we see it again. Eternal life is provided through his Son. There is no eternal life apart from believing in the Son of God. Eternal life in eternity with Christ will not happen apart from believing in the Son of God. And many people think of eternal life primarily in the terms of its duration, that, that it will continue on forever. And it is true. Eternal life is, is life that will never come to an end. Eternal life is eternal, but it is so much more. It is full life, an abundant life, a complete life, and a life that will not be destroyed by death. I was at a funeral yesterday. Death happens. Death comes. It's a, a life that begins now and will reach its fullest when we meet Christ. And today, according to, to John, God is preparing a place for you and I, for the believer, but when we get to him. But eternal life is only available through his son. The power source for a fulfilled life is found in Jesus Christ. John 10.10, Jesus says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus promises more. He promises abundant life. So all who accept Jesus Christ are uniting with him. We are inviting him to be the controlling partner in our lives. So who is Jesus to you? He is our constant companion, and he promises abundant life. Consider again the difference the battery makes to the drill, and then remember the difference Jesus we will have when we allow Jesus to be our controlling partner. You can't control this without a battery. What about us? Are we allowing Jesus to control us? The abundant life that he, he promises uh, points to a depth of living now and a joyous time in eternity. The abundant life includes the, the knowledge of the pardon for our sins and it includes the possession of God's spirit to guide us along the way. So we have that life in us. We know that Jesus paid for our sins and we can look forward to the Holy Spirit to guide us to our Heavenly Father. The abundant life is life in its fullness. There is a completeness and satisfaction that comes from knowing Jesus as our Savior and Lord. Philippians talks, I think it's Philippians, that peace which passes understanding. And I look at that as undescribable peace. It is. But I also look at that as a peace that you know that when you have it and you know when you do not. Do you have that peace? And that peace comes through Jesus. Yes, he is the power source. Yes, he is the love that, that we need to plug into. And he is the, our peace. And he is so, so much more. Verse 12, he that hath the Son hath life. Back to verse 1. Those who believe that Jesus Christ is born of God will have eternal life. The, the whole text here is just screaming that if you want eternal life, you need Jesus. 
And also, if you do not have Jesus, you do not have eternal life. So we, we see the promise here in verse 12. But that promise is not one we need to worry about, not one that we need to doubt, not one that we even need to question. Because God said it, and he provided it through his only son. And we, back to verse 1, we believe. So the Christian is victorious over the, over the world by believing in the atoning work of Jesus Christ. Back to verse 6, he shed his blood there on the cross. And by faith, which we can see here in, in verse 4, we can continue to overcome the world. How can we do that? It includes a daily walk in the light, abiding in Christ, and loving our brothers and sisters in the Lord. So think a little bit about just about the phrase eternal life. What a gracious and a wonderful phrase. Eternal life. Think about it. It's promised to all. The verse starts with whosoever. It's available to all. To all who believe in Jesus Christ. A songwriter Horace Boner wrote, Yes, in me, in me he dwelleth, I in him and he in me, and my empty soul he filleth here and through eternity. So that eternal life, or that life in Christ starts today and will go through eternity. In closing, the most serious question every man, every woman, and every child need to consider with, with a deep, careful thought is the question. Do I have Jesus Christ, the Son of God, living in my heart? I've said it many times, I'm going to say it again. We all have goals in life that we wish to accomplish. And they might differ, differ from person to person, from man to woman, but we all have goals we wish to accomplish. But brothers and sisters, nothing, absolutely nothing, is more important than the fact, do you have Jesus Christ, the Son of God, living in your heart? You want to be an overcomer? Live in victory? It's promised for all whosoever believeth. No one is excluded. It includes everyone. Those who have the Son living within have the promise of eternal life that is eternity in the presence of Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning to say thank you for the difference that Jesus Christ can make in our hearts and in our lives. And thank you, Lord, for the promise that whosoever believeth shall not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you for the promise that whosoever hath the Son hath life. Thank you, Lord, for sending your Son to die that cruel death so that today we can look forward to the day of uh, seeing you face to face there in glory and spending eternity with you. Be with each heart and each soul here this morning. Lord, I trust that if they did not have a meeting with you yet, that they will very soon. Lord, I pray that the decision they can make is such the, the biggest decision they will ever make, and that is to accept you as their personal Savior. Thank you, Lord, for meeting with us this morning. Bless each one here. Give us wisdom and direction as we go forth. In your name we pray. Amen.